I know your dad owned 200 acres. I didn't take it off your hands. Get out of here. I am so I sorry. You kind of people. But I don't ever want to come back to Iowa. Where do we sign? I'm going to give you your own stake in the family farm. I'm not staying here, Dad. I'm racing cars. Does he consistently disrespect me? If I like what I see today, we'll give you one and only one shot. That foot is made of lead. It's gonna get you to NASCAR. You're not gonna make it in the big leagues. Take the land. It's in your blood. Don't you lose what my daddy started. I know you've been sleeping with her. I love you, and you make me feel like an idiot for it every day. Really impressive on the track today. I'm Meredith, and I'm his girlfriend. Henry Whipple, we've been investigating you. We got a tip. Who gave you this tip? We need to visit your fields. Who could have done this? You didn't talk, did you? Tell me who it was. You ruined me. If they find out, we'll lose everything. I don't know what to do. You're in trouble, aren't you? Call off the agents. Call them off. How's it going, y'all? Welcome to... Uh, we're just talking about this. We don't have a name for this show yet, but we're just going to call it The Pilot. You know, it's, it's a, it's a movie-themed podcast. It's a racing-themed podcast. I think the word pilot... It's kind of synonymous with both, but we may not know what we're talking about, but we do know who we are. My name is Eric Estep. Welcome to the show. I am joined by Josh Mull. Josh, welcome. Thanks for being Hi. here. Great to be here. This is wonderful. We have a doozy for y'all. So the point of this show, just in a nutshell, and granted, this is the pilot. This thing could go any number of directions, but the the general premise of this podcast is that I'm a movie guy. I went to film school. Uh, Josh, I know, is a content guy. He knows good content. He knows bad content when he sees it. Uh, but I'm also a race fan, and I know Josh is as well. And so I thought it'd be fun to have a show where we talk about racing movies, movies with a NASCAR theme or a NASCAR or a stock car, any sort of racing background to them. And, and not just the obvious ones like Days of Thunder and Talladega Nights and Cars, but some off-the-beaten-path movies as well, which is what we're going to start with today. So, Josh, let's talk a little bit about the background of today's film, the topic of today's podcast. We're talking about the movie At Any Price, released in 2012, or it was made in 2012. I think Sony Pictures Classics actually purchased it and officially released and distributed it in 2013. Um, But that's where this movie began. And I'll let you talk in a second, Josh, but uh, this this one was my idea, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> but uh, when I was in film school, I had to do a project once where uh, I had to like find, uh, I think I had to come up with sort of like a a film idea on my own and I had to do research to see if, like like market research almost, to see if it would be profitable. And my idea was a movie, was a NASCAR theme movie. I thought, why not? I'll do a racing theme movie. There's not a, many, not a lot of great ones out there these days. And so I was looking for comp- comparables. I was looking for comps. And in all my Googling and all my research, this was one of the first movies I found and I'd never heard of it. It's starring Dennis Quaid, Zac Efron. Like I, I would say 
I don't know about at the time. They're they're both borderline A-list actors, uh, I'd argue. Uh, And I'd never heard of this movie. But in my research, I realized that this movie had a budget of roughly two to four million dollars. So a small budget movie, but it only made four hundred eighty seven thousand. So uh, while it was in festivals, uh, it was not a commercial success. And so it kind of ruined my project because I was trying to find evidence that racing movies with a fairly small budget could be successful. And this one, uh, this one kind of blew up in my face. So when I pitched this to you, Josh, saying, hey, let's watch At Any Price. You saw the trailer. You saw who it was starring. You saw the headline. What was your initial reaction to this, this project? Uh, so the trailer I was excited about, um, but the, the trailer actually raises the primary question I would like to pose to you for this movie, uh, which is, what is the line between a twist ending and a bait and switch on the trailer? Because, yeah, the trailer makes it look like this is a, a NASCAR movie. We're going to see a driver go through his career and and start in the dirt and and go all the way to uh the top in this movie the top being arca uh <laughs> yeah as we'll get into that's that's not what this movie is about no it, uh, about midway through maybe even more there earlier than midway through it does sort of like you said we'll talk about that it, it pivots pretty dramatically um, but it certainly presents itself as a racing movie First, And even the first portion of this film, it feels like a NASCAR, a stock car racing movie. So that's a question we're going to try and answer today is, should you, listener, a racing fan, watch this movie if you want to see cool racing scenes or cool NASCAR stuff? We'll answer a few questions, but that is one at the top of our minds for sure. Um, Well, getting into this a little bit, you can jump in uh, as well, Josh. We're not going to spoil too heavily the plot until the end, the second half of the show here. But uh, I want to at least give you guys kind of the baseline. If you haven't seen the movie probably should check it out. This is kind of like a book club for movies. It's a movie club, but with a racing twist to it. But if you haven't seen the movie, just in a nutshell, if we talk about the plot, it's starring uh, Dennis Quaid as Henry Whipple, who is uh, owns a major farm in Iowa. Uh, he's like the third generation. It's been a farm that's been passed down for multiple generations, and he's trying to pass it down to his son, Dean, played by Zac Efron, but uh, Dean has absolutely no interest in carrying on the family farming legacy. He wants to be a NASCAR driver uh, and is kind of a, a somewhat of a short track celebrity on the demolition derby figure eight scene there in, in Iowa. Um, so that, that's really the jumping off point. And we see pretty early on that Henry, uh, the father, is is somewhat morally complicated. Like, I, I do love that the first scene uh, in this movie is them at a funeral for someone in the community that I don't think they have any personal connection to, but they know that the guy who just died had a lot of land he might have been willing to sell. So the very first scene is Henry kind of, as they say in the movie, is a shark trying to uh, convince the people in mourning to sell them his land. And, and I think... Again, we'll get to more of the point of the movie at the, at the end, but it's called At Any Price, and I think that's a consistent theme throughout this movie is, is you know, he, he's a businessman first. He wants to do everything he can to save his farm, to build his business, to grow his seed-selling empire, but at what price is that too far? Like, he's willing to go to a funeral, kind of make a fool of himself, get told off, get insulted, come off as a total asshole – but in that first scene, he gets the deal done, and that kind of is a setting, a jumping off point in the movie. So uh, you can jump in here, Josh. But uh, once the once that kind of gets going, where where do they go from there? The thing that jumps out 
right away is Dennis Quaid, who who is is Henry Whipple, is doing some kind of performance in this. Uh, <laughs> the the first in this opening scene, it it doesn't really hit you quite hard because he's playing off of Zac Efron, um, who is extremely understated in this movie, um, to say the least. But uh, he is this sort of folksy uh like um uh we have george w bush at home style uh <laughs> kind of i'm not sure what what he's going for but the, it's this stiff upper lip um almost texas style accent he's doing at, at first it's kind of interesting um because he is like this is very different for dennis quay he's very cartoony almost um but Right away, you start to see what I think is a big problem with this movie throughout, which is everybody thinks they're in a different movie. Uh, Dennis Quaid is is maybe thinking he's in Napoleon Dynamite and everybody else thinks they're in Friday Night Lights or something like that. He's he no no two characters are ever really on the same wavelength or seem like they exist in the same world they are either this dennis quaid style over the top uh kind of performance or they're going for the zach efron where it's very understated very mumbly very 2000s indie movie uh style and and this first scene you really get that you really get the them playing off each other um, in this sort of, uh, it, it, it's incongruous. They don't they don't quite work together um, in the right way. But uh, Dennis Quaid, like the the trick to this is at no point. I'm, I'm sitting here dogging on the performances and everybody's on the you know on a different wavelength. But at no point, even in this opening scene, are you ever confused or uh, bored? Um, it is. A, it's he is. Henry Whipple is a strangely compelling character, and it is this this Dennis Quaid performance where you, you're you're on the line between cringy and and captivated. I'm a big Dennis Quaid fan. I mean, I've only seen him in a few things, but between like as a kid, I saw him in uh, um, The Parent Trap, obviously, and then one of my favorite mo- movies growing up as a kid was kind of visually similar uh, was The Rookie. Uh, almost came out, what, 20 years ago? I don't know if you've seen that, Josh, but Dennis Quaid plays the like a, a former baseball prospect who got injured, never made it to the big leagues. He's now like a high school teacher in the middle of nowhere, Texas, but he finds out he can still throw like 98 miles an hour, so he gets a tryout and grinds his way and ends up making it back to the majors. It's a spoiler alert, but you can see where the movie's going from the very beginning. It's based on a true story. That was one of my favorite movies. Um, he's always had, though, like like you said, that kind of cartoonish feel to him. I feel like I feel like not quite Jim Carrey level, but he's got like more bones in his face, I swear, than your average person, um, and is just capable of making facial expressions that you don't see outside of cartoons. From from. Dennis Quaid's perspective, this is a, this is a really, he, he came to work. He came to work. He came to put in a performance. He clearly uh, embodies this character, even though this character doesn't really belong in this movie. I don't think uh, he really, he really owns it. It, it is a, uh, can I, can I say it's a quality Dennis Quaid performance? I don't know if I would call it a 
quality. Again, this movie is so inconsistent. And it's funny you bring up The Rookie because it's exactly that kind of movie that you think you're getting into. You think this is uh, that sort of bottom to the top sports movie, inspirational, you know, um, it's set up right away in the beginning that there's a conflict, you know, Dennis Quaid, he's at this funeral. He's trying to get these uh, grieving uh, family members to sell him their their farm of the guy that just died. Um, Zach Efron, who plays Dean, the son of Dennis Quaid, he is against this. Uh, he appears to have some sort of more moral problem with this, as you as you might guess, uh, being a, uh, a almost literal ambulance chaser here. <laughs> uh, but he has a big problem with the tactics and with his dad in in particular. Um, he doesn't like Iowa, he doesn't like the farm, and he certainly doesn't like this. And he is set up, uh, we'll, we'll get into it more later, but he is set up as sort of the, the moral foil to Dennis Quaid, as in Dennis Quaid is the, the, the sleazy used car salesman type, and Zac Efron is maybe this uh the the moral voice uh of reason here but it does not doesn't end up working out that way no and and actually that first scene i I made a note at the four minute mark of this movie as if it couldn't get any clearer uh dean zach efron says quote i don't want to be a part of this family so they lay it on pretty thick that he's not he's not fitting in. He's like not too thrilled with what's going on here, how his dad operates. Um, but but yeah, to that point, they kind of in that first scene at least present him as a moral counterpart to the the sleazier Dennis Quaid, Henry Whipple character. But shortly thereafter, um, we establish that Dean is is an up and coming race car driver, but he's also rebellious to to a fault perhaps he's overly rebellious he's over the top about it because we have a scene with him um robbing an auto parts store in the middle of the night like not at gunpoint he doesn't like stick up the store but he like shoots out the 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 window breaks in that way steals a turbocharger to put in his car we, we've got he's got that going for him later in the movie he ends up you know cheating on his girlfriend he ends up you know completely pivoting a number of times and there's a major spoiler at the end. We won't get into the till the second half of the sh- the, the show. But um, this is one of those movies where it's hard to root for any of the main characters. And I know that yes. that's the point. I mean, I assume that's the point. It's supposed to be a very gritty, real look at kind of the underworld of big farm life and business in the Midwest, um, which I must admit I don't know much about. But you know that that that's the the impression you're going for it's a commentary on on the american dream and you know how you know if you push too hard to be successful if if you're so focused on business on on commercialism you can make them you you can step too far you can you know money corrupts everyone it's that it's that it's that kind of movie where you can't root for any one character I, anyway we get to the plot a little bit more because i do want to talk about some of the racing stuff here in the first half um you know we, we well, can we talk about this this robbery the the auto shop robbery sure. for a second my because favorite, i think this my favorite part of that is that he's wearing a buckshot jones t-shirt like an old nascar he's I, i'd made a lot of notes in the, watching this movie zach efron wears a lot of nascar t-shirts at various point in this in this movie and i just wanted to point that out he was in a buckshot jones tank top <laughs> yeah he, well here's here's the problem he as we just said he is set up in this very first scene 
as the you know he's he's got a good head on his shoulders he's the moral one compared to he doesn't like what the way the lengths that dennis quaid will go he doesn't approve of this uh and then we're immediately followed by um we're introduced to his girlfriend cadence who Mm -hmm. is the uh in my opinion the best character in the movie um the only one you can root for i'll say that yeah yeah the only like good person in the movie um, we, we see her, she's talking to this uh, sort of folksy old man at a diner uh, somewhere. Zac Efron comes, um, gives her um, a real sweet kiss on the head. He's very polite to this old man that she's talking to. The old man talks to him about NASCAR. You're going to go far in NASCAR, kid, that kind of thing. He's very polite um, to this old man. And then he immediately goes outside meets his friend Torgerson uh, and he brings the girlfriend along Cadence and there's a little, um, there's a moment where his friend Torgerson is like, oh, you, you're bringing Cadence along with you. What up, What's up with that? And, and that in, in movie language, what it's telling us so far, and again, we are five minutes into the movie here, yeah. is that Zac Efron's a good guy. He, he loves his girlfriend. He treats the other townspeople. He, he, his problem is with his dad. He's not a jerk. He, he treats people well. He immediately then goes to armed robbery. <laughs> yeah. At the drop of a hat, too. Just, hey, guys, uh, he pulls out a gun, apropos of nothing, like, hey, let me just pull out this gun from, from his friend's car. His friend carries a gun. Let's let's drive to this other town two hours away and commit armed robbery. Uh, and, and this robbery, by the way, is your first hint that there's something wrong with this movie because nothing happens because of this robbery. That's there is no police. There's no investigation. This is not hanging over him at all where he's worried the rest of the movie he's going to get in trouble for this uh nothing happens nothing happens this is just a what appears to be just random outburst um you you justify it in the moment as wow he's you know he's, he's committed so fed to winning. up with his life he, he he's wants to rebelling. win yeah yeah <laughs> he, he he wants to win so bad to get out of iowa that he's gonna rob a store to go to these lengths um and steal this car part uh from a town two hours away yeah and and maybe that's a precursor i'll I'll at least give the film credit for this he's somewhat consistent with the exception of those first 10 minutes because that's not the the first somewhat impulsive outburst we see from dean from zach efron in this movie because um, pretty early on we see him in action at the local figure eight dirt track demolition derby style he's going up against the rival farm farm's son farm owner's son jim johnson's jim, son jim johnson's son the two of them duking it out trading paint slapping sheet metal and he ends up wrecking the kid to to win dean ends up wrecking the i forget the son's name but the jim johnson's son's uh son he ends up wrecking him to win they end up fighting and uh anyway but we see and we hear lines and he says i got a million of these trophies like dean's kind of a local racing celebrity he's got a chance and when he gets to arca because that's a big midway point through the movie. He gets a chance at Arca. And I'll talk about some details in a moment because some of the details between both these scenes I think are really funny for coming from a NASCAR fan's perspective. But he struggles in that Arca race. 
He doesn't run particularly well. He's up in the mix, but then... You know, he's middle of three wide, getting beaten, banging around. And moment of truth, do you go for it? Do you hit the gas? Do you lift off the pedal? He lifts. And the crew chief's mad. Oh, this kid doesn't have what it takes. And that moment, that's like the first time I think Zach Efron's like lost a race. He blows up and he basically quits racing altogether. That's to me kind of the first either bait and switch. I think that's the bait and switch you're talking about where it stops being a NASCAR focused movie kind of about his journey away from the farm and becomes something completely different. But that was also to me kind of out of nowhere and impulsive and not maybe not out of character, but out of character from those first 10 minutes that we saw. What did you think of the actual racing? Because here I, I want to give the, the movie a little bit of credit. I thought the racing was all right. I thought they were pretty good, pretty intense. They kept it grounded um, for the most part. Yeah, yeah, I, I, and that's a good segue because this kind of wraps up the first half of the movie where we still think, albeit the, the national anthem scene maybe teases us a little bit, you know, we still think this is maybe a sports movie, a, a, a racing movie. Um, but that first scene at the local dirt track the figure eight track i've never been to a demolition derby i can't say exactly how things are organized i've seen a few of these types of scenes in movies but um the way it was shot um was pretty real i imagine i mean this is a fairly low budget movie i doubt they had a lot of cg going on there so it looked like they actually got some old some old clunkers in there put them in a pit and uh roughed them up a little bit probably with some stunt drivers i I don't know how much zach efron himself was driving if i was zach efron i would jump at the chance to get to beat and bang on a figure eight for a movie i think that'd be awesome um but no it, it was it was great and they established the rivalry between dean and jim johnson's son that family rivalry goes beyond just the dads it's also now the sons hate each other as well mainly because of their on track action and you know, i thought the one-on-one battle between them was well put together was very well shot there was a lot of suspense there obviously we see dean win he wrecks him and what i love though was afterwards the two get out of the car you know he's up jim johnson's son is upside down but he gets out and he's like i'm gonna kill that guy where is he and that's we've heard those exact words out of nascar drivers before after a race after not being flipped upside down just you know a bump and run gone wrong and so the two of course fight in front of the crowd everyone's cheering everyone's loving it and you know in nascar all i could think of was you know, they would have been broken up before more than one, like maybe one punch gets thrown. They're broken up. There's crew guys in the middle of them. It's, it's, it's split up in this case that, you know, they go at it. Maybe it was just for the sake of the movie. I don't know how tight security is, is at a lot of these, um, a lot of these figure eight tracks, but, um, there's a full fight there. They're throwing some punches. They're landing some punches. They are getting into it. It takes a few moments until anyone finally breaks them up, but somebody does eventually break them up, which I thought was amusing. I know every time there's a fight or any sort of somewhat physical altercation in nascar fans there's that one portion of the fan base that says ah they crew guys should never get in the middle of it this should be just one-on-one and you know we don't pull them apart until someone's knocked out or someone's on the ground getting trampled like like you know there's always that subsection of the fan base and for a moment here in this movie you actually you know that maybe this is where that that comes from is is this kind of thing happens on a regular basis at these short tracks i've seen some wild physical altercations at short tracks some clips one of my favorites and i've seen this i think two different times someone running up a driver out of his car running up to another guy who's still in his car leaping over the hood and drop kicking the windshield in and landing <laughs> in the driver's lap i've seen that twice and i think it's hysterical it looks like a super smash bros move very dangerous do not try that at home um so i've seen some crazy things in clips i mean help clint boyers put it out segment every week during the nascar broadcast highlight some of that type of stuff but um so so i feel like this movie did in that figure eight scene do the culture <laughs> justice to an extent 
Um, yeah, I the, the this is this is where I, I can't get over the, the that line between bait and switch and and twist ending because again we had that that weird scene where, where the the armed robbery and it's like hey that's weird there's no consequences to that um, and then you get the weird anthem scene um, which is uncomfortable and then back to this awesome sports movie uh, where yeah, the race looks great. Uh, the the fight is is great. Um, there's a weird line um, when they're racing, um, which I thought the first time I watched it was uh, an accidental role reversal. In that everyone in the town, every character in the movie, is there watching this race, and uh, Henry Dennis Quaid yeah, he is into freaking it. out. He's like, "Oh my gosh, this is insane!" Um, which is a little weird. It's almost like he's the audience and we haven't seen this before. He, he probably should have seen this. It seems like they come all the time, but he's like, oh my gosh, this is insane. I can't believe they would do that. And it's the mom, uh, Kim Dickens, uh, amazing actress. Um, uh, she has the line of, nobody would watch if there was not gonna be a crash, <laughs> yeah. right? So the mom is, is, the, is portrayed as the sort of uh like ah just let it you know they're just boys kind of thing like this is how it you know um which is a little weird role reversal it's not really how she's played the the rest of the movie um but second time through that that will make a little more sense a little i don't want to give the movie too much credit on this twist but a little more sense that the mom is the one that's like ah it's fine yeah. Uh, you know, everybody wants them to see, wants to see something horrible happen. Um, but yeah, the, the race is good and it's, it's great setup um, because at the beginning we've got this um, small interaction between Henry, the father and, and Jim Johnson, who is the, the dad of the other family. Uh, you know, the, the Whipple family is uh, the the number one salesman in seven counties and the Johnsons are the number one salesman in 24 counties. Um, so there's this, this rivalry presented between the families. The rivalry between the sons carries over to the, you know, uh, I think the um, Brad Johnson, he says like, this is why the Whipples are pussies. Uh, there, there's a family rivalry here, and, and that um, and that sticks with Dean. Like he says that, and Dean gets mad, and it and it was a little yeah. weird because we've literally heard him say he doesn't want to be a part of that family, but here he is taking great offense to his family being criticized. Like I, I thought that was just a little out of character in that moment. Yeah, and, and we we should talk. I, I want to get to the Arca because this is yeah. our this is our launch to Arca. But after the race, he's you know he's hot shit. The Arca recruiter comes up, and I have to know what did you think of this Arca recruiter? <laughs> the thing that got me, uh, well, one, very accurate the way he said, or the way is established that if if Dean wants a Arca chance, he's gonna have to pull out fifteen thousand dollars. Like he's gonna have to rent a ride. He's gonna have to yeah. buy a ride. That's that is accurate. I don't know the exact dollar amount. Again, this movie came out in two thousand twelve. I don't know what the dollar amount really is, how that translates, but that's accurate. You know, needing like, hey, you're not gonna drive this car unless you pay to be in this car. Um I thought that part was super duper accurate. Um but yeah, the whole scene, so then there's a good a good scene and the racing is solid at Iowa Speedway. So Iowa Speedway yes. fans the track gets some love. This is back in twenty twelve. Um, but it, 
to me, that was that was kind of the selling point of this movie. Is I wanted to see Zac Efron in a fire suit just because I think that's hilarious. My generation grew up seeing Zac Efron in High School Musical, and this is only a couple years removed from the last High School Musical movie. I thought it'd be hilarious to see what Zac Efron looks like as a NASCAR driver, and we get that. We get him in an ARCA an ARCA series uniform. I don't know. I don't know if they paid for this or if, or if it was just an agreement, but ARCA, their branding is all over this scene. It is an art, like it almost looks like they shot it at an actual ARCA race at times. Like they, they, some of the scenes, like the driver intro scene where he goes across the stage and there's a crowd that felt like something they could have actually done during an ARCA race. I know that's something that NASCAR's had happen at other movies in the past. Heck, a couple of years ago, the Netflix show, they ran a special paint scheme on one of the cars and they let it race with a weird paint scheme on just for the Netflix show uh, in an actual race. But um, but the Arca scene is interesting with the recruiter and with the crew chief character especially because I, I kind of already said it. But in the race, um, again, this is Dean's first. It's established, I believe, as his first asphalt race ever, his first time in a, like a, a big stock car like this, his first time, I think, maybe even on an actual oval. At this point, he's just been doing figure eight racing and demolition derby stuff. So this is a lot of firsts for Dean. He's running up in the lead pack. He's stuck in the middle of three wide, getting jostled around, getting his cage is getting rattled a bit. And like I said earlier, the moment of truth is, does he keep his foot in it and gun it and keep battling or does he kind of back out? He backs out. And the way it's shot, I'm always watching these movies, these types of racing scenes with like hypersensitivity. I'm watching every every turn of the wheel, every, you know, foot on the gas every moment he throttles up. I'm just watching for realism because I can't help it. Um, and it was weird. It felt like it was just in the moment he's backing out of a three-wide battle because there's a good chance he's going to get crashed. And I looked at that, and if I'm a recruiter, I would have said, oh, this kid's got a good head on his shoulders. He's not in, he's not in over his skis. He's not in too deep. He's a smart racer. But apparently not. That's not the case in this movie because the crew chief literally throws his headset on the ground because his driver didn't drive into an instant crash. I don't yeah. know. I thought that was a little interesting, but apparently... Dean does not impress at this ARCA tryout that he paid to be at. They basically kick him out of the room, it seems like, and that kind of ends um, Dean's racing journey. But I don't know. It all happened very fast. Uh, we've seen drivers with money because that's what Dean's character is in this in this case. He is a driver who comes with funding. We've seen those kinds of drivers stick around for a long, long time. And I know ARCA in 2012 looks different than ARCA in 2022. But I imagine even in 2012, if you're bringing some of that big seed money, <laughs> that big <laughs> farm money, uh, you get more than one tryout. But I don't know. I guess there's the old saying, you know, you can teach a driver to kind of rein it in, but it's hard to teach a driver to go for it. And maybe that's what they're looking for in that scene. It, it was kind of weird. And the weirdest part about it was the sudden turn in Dean's person, the, his entire motivations, it almost feels like, just completely change at the midway point of this movie. And this is the point where it stops being a NASCAR movie, stops being a sports movie completely, and becomes a, something completely different, becomes a family drama, becomes you know, a soap opera to an extent. The crew chief uh, is very funny because it has uh, a, a, the movie trope of, uh, a couple of movie tropes there where Number one, the, the crew chief, you know, we have we have Zach Efron and the and the fire suit and the, the crew chief is leading him to the car. Not sure where they're coming from, but he's pointing things out and saying, like, this over there is called the safety barrier and yeah. don't run into that. And it's like you're telling him now. And, and and really though, telling him is one thing, but this guy loves NASCAR, races cars, 
has a dream of getting into NASCAR, and now he's learning about this thing called the safer barrier. I bet you could pick any random fan out of the the stands at a NASCAR race, and they'll they'll know what a safer barrier is. Yeah. Uh, they talk about it all the time during the race. It's a big uh, promotional point for NASCAR safety. Uh, it, it's it's this movie trope of this is the first time you've ever been here, and so now we're gonna. Uh, explain the entire thing to you your first time and it makes no sense like what how does this driver not know this already and, and where it, it's really it's obviously it's a movie trope it's for us it's for the audience to understand the stakes of what's different about arca from what we just saw which was the demolition derby well this is the big leagues now uh you know you're going really fast and you can hit the wall and it's dangerous in that sense uh you know probably nobody's gonna die at the figure eight but uh, you hit the wall wrong and, and, and NASCAR is dangerous, right? And so there's that piece, but there's also this constant berating by the crew of, hey, kid, don't screw this up. Don't, uh, all right, idiot, make sure you bring this <laughs> car back. And it's like, why did you hire him? Like, if he's yeah. some big idiot who doesn't know what he's doing, like, your recruiter maybe sucks or something. Like, he, it's this happened a lot where you, you find drivers that don't know what ARCA is and and don't know how to race. Like maybe you should stop selling your your car then uh, for fifteen thousand dollars because it seems like you're getting bad people. Uh, but obviously it seems like a hostile not. work environment. I mean, he yeah, does, very they, hostile. Uh, what they were trying to accomplish was it, it's overwhelming. That whole scene, it yeah, felt like yeah. Zac Efron. He is just stars in his eyes when he's being walked through the garage and being told what a safer barrier is. He's got this just blank, borderline brain dead look on his face. He is, he's, whoa, he is in over his skis. I think that's the point that's trying to be driven home. And when he's on the track and he's facing some animosity, he's getting yelled at by, you know, Tony Uri Jr., whatever the guy looked like. You know, he's getting screamed at it's just all too much and i guess that's what they're trying to drive home is that's what breaks him down but but no you're right it's not uh you don't typically hear that maybe you hear that in arca i i, I can't say i've heard that kind of uh <laughs> radio communications but i was hearing way more of the crew chief didn't hear any spotter communications where was the spotter at that's yeah. he was in the middle of three wide he needs that kind of information that's why he couldn't go anywhere <laughs> well at one point he uh, uh another great movie trope he hits the nas yeah, uh, oh, I know it's entirely for our benefit. Yep. He, he he's he's behind, <laughs> and then he changes gears, and then suddenly he goes faster than everybody. And yeah, it's like he's why probably don't, why don't you just hit that switch at the beginning? <laughs> yeah, I made a note of that. I always think that's so funny when they're already at speed, and in this case, he's probably in fourth gear. He's at full speed. He's like. Uh, I'm gonna drop the hammer, Harry. <laughs> pulls into infinity gear and, and gains 20 miles per hour. Yeah, no, they they definitely had that whole trope in there. Which I was—that's the thing I was kind of waiting for the whole scene. I'm like, when is it gonna happen? They're gonna have a scene of him shifting for no reason. Where is it? When's it gonna be? When's it gonna be? Ah, there it is. There, Zach Efron, you you cheeky bastard. I knew it was coming. You couldn't sneak it past me. Yeah, that. Other than that, that was probably that and the crew chief communication. That that stuff was unrealistic. You mentioned cinematography earlier, and, and not that this was like a huge storytelling device in this case, but um, the shots were good. It, like it looked, I think yeah, back to uh, Logan Lucky a few years ago. I think it was Logan Lucky, or you could even actually go back to Talladega Nights, which was before at any price, but was a much larger budget. Um, some of the scenes of cars on track, 
it looked obvious that they were only going like 40 miles an hour and they were right. you know, they had a big film truck following them whatever in this movie I'd say that was definitely the case in some instances but it looked better they shot it a lot more tight close ups again to drive home the overwhelming there's stuff around every corner like his eyes are scattered drive home that whole you know bigger than he's ever been a part of overwhelming atmosphere but um, I, I'll give them credit they shot it in such a way that made racing at Iowa Speedway made ARCA racing at Iowa Speedway look kind of cool look action-packed yeah. look exciting and, and i was a great track and the nascar fan listening to this is probably saying oh i was good i was soft it is but they made it look good they, they they it lived up to the hype it didn't look boring or lame it wasn't just cars shots of a single car going by it was like no they did some really cool angles from right behind the catch fence some good crowd reaction shots um some good you know unrealistic onboard shots where you get a really good low shot of the splitter and the the you know, door slamming like Kudos to whoever shot and, and obviously the, the director for putting this together. But it was it was a as just an action scene goes, it was very well put together and made Iowa Speedway look cool. So I, I at least appreciated that. Yeah, you you would think they you know something like this they they would you know the the finale would be uh, Daytona or something like that. But they made Iowa the, the ARCA race at Iowa seem very climactic. Um, and obviously NASCAR looks great on film, no matter what it's, it's just a very visual sport, but yet yeah, the, the whole time, even the, the cheesy scenes where the, the crew chief is yelling at him when they're walking through, it's very clearly a real race going on. Those are real people, real officials, real equipment, all of that, like th- that, felt very authentic. Very authentic. Yeah, no, not, except for the Nas. Except for the yeah, except for dropping the hammer. No, other than that, I I thought it was great. Um, I forgot to mention this earlier. Probably, you know, what my favorite scene in this movie was before we kind of jump off the racing bit, part of it. Uh, my favorite scene comes just a little before this Iowa race, where Dean is in the kitchen watching he's literally watching nascar crash compilations on youtube with death metal music playing in the background he is like i i thought that was i thought was the most relatable scene yes. in any movie like they have he, they literally have the shot of ryan newman at daytona flipping through the infield grass and it, you know and I just, I, that was that was beautiful. That was such if a funny. If you are scene. a NASCAR fan, you have watched those videos on yes. YouTube—the greatest crash, the deadliest crashes, <laughs> and all. And it is, it is. It's always Metallica or Allison Chains yeah. or something like that playing over it. That was that was, yes, absolutely the most relatable moment of yeah. this movie. So on that note, uh, yeah. So Dean ends his career as a race car driver. Before we get into kind of the the final twists at the end of this uh, dramatic story, um, we have to answer the question. I know you've made it forty plus minutes into this show at this point, but you want to know as a racing fan, as a NASCAR fan, should you watch at any price for the racing scenes? I want to start with you, Josh. What what would you say to that? I so I'm I am very torn because. Again, as many problems as this movie has, we're about to get to where where this movie goes off the rails. Uh, at no point was I ever bored. Um, there, it doesn't get slow. It doesn't um, lose the plot necessarily. Um, and the racing is really good. Um, it is really well shot, feels very authentic, despite the, it's very over the top, like a Hollywood movie, but not so over the top that it is like you said, it's not Talladega Nights. Um, it's not like that. It's, it feels very real. And so 
from a completionist standpoint, I would say as a NASCAR fan, you might want to watch it. Um, very light on the cameos, I thought. Like I, I kept searching the background for some sort of recognizable car or, or, or something, some uh, something like that. You don't really get that. Um, but uh, I'm going to say for a diehard NASCAR fan to check it off your list, Yes, you will not be bored. However, you are not about to watch Days of Thunder. Uh, you, the, this movie, after this point, becomes something completely different. And even after seeing it multiple times and knowing where it's going, it doesn't get any less jarring of what is about to happen in this movie and the turn it's about to take. But... I'm I'm gonna lean towards yes. This movie is entertaining enough, and I mean that sincerely, not an ironic like good bad movie kind of way. I mean this movie is pretty good. It'll hold your attention. the The performances, except for Zac Efron, are pretty good. Um, it's I'm I'm gonna go with a yes. What do you think? It's competently made. I would say if you're just if you're a big racing fan give the first 45 50 minutes a chance because after that there's really no racing to be seen so at that point if the movie's hooked you in from a larger story perspective then maybe you'll sit through the final 30 or 40 minutes and enjoy it but if you just want to see kind of an interesting and like like you said Josh sort of a, a realistic take on the midwest midwestern racing scene there's a few highlights in there. Not a lot of cameos, like you said. Like the, the closest you get is the crash compilation on YouTube and some of the t-shirts uh, Zach Efron wears. I he wears a Jeff Gordon shirt, a Jimmy Johnson shirt. I mentioned Buckshot Jones. Um, there's one scene at the. I thought there's one really relatable scene at the the figure eight race where there it's kind of a top down view and you see some like checkered flags and like banners in the foreground. And there's I think like I don't remember. I feel like it was like a Miller Light one, which I swear I've seen at short tracks that exact banner going up on the fence. And there was like a Casey Kane but. Budweiser car banner going by and I'm like yeah I've seen like I've been at short tracks that have like NASCAR sponsor banners from like 2008 still sitting there and it, so that that part was very realistic there are a few of those kinds of cameos again Iowa Speedway gets some love which in 2022 might be a little hard to find um but if you want to see basically if you watch the first hour of this movie it's sort of like the tragic tale of a, rebe a rebellious teenager who thinks he's got what it takes and finds out he doesn't actually have what what it takes to be a race car driver. So if you're going into it with that understanding that yeah, this first hour is a tragic tale, but there's some pretty cool racing scenes mixed in there. Uh, and of course, Dennis Quaid, I'm a big Dennis Quaid guy. Zac Efron could take him or leave him. Um, but if you're into that, I, I agree. I think give it a chance, but I'm not going to... I'm not going to tell you to watch the whole movie. Don't block out two hours. Block out an hour. And if you really enjoy yeah. it, you'll stick with it for the last 30 or 40 minutes. If you really are hooked to the characters, you really want to know what happens next, you want to see the ultimate downfall, um, stick with it. But but no, I, I was pleasantly surprised. For a low, low-budget movie, um, I that from what I can understand got like no promotion like I don't know I, I know Arca obviously is featured in it but I don't know that Arca did anything to promote it back in the day um, I've NASCAR, never heard of this movie I've I, never heard it come up in you know exactly. great racing movies nope. anything like that but it's, it's certainly not in the same league of like Logan Lucky there's no there's no driver cameo yeah. Anything like that. Absolutely not. So for something that was kind of off the beaten path and doesn't get talked about a whole lot the racing scenes were more authentic and held up better than I thought they would even now, you know, 10 years after its initial production and release. 
So um, I, we both say yes, give it a chance. Um, but now let's get into the second half of the movie. And I want to start with you here, Josh. After Dean you know, fails his ARCA tryout, he goes off the deep end. He crashes his car into a tree. He wrecks his race car. He's in the hospital. His dad buys him a new race car. And Dean says, no, I'm not racing anymore. I don't want it. Return it, blah, blah, blah. Cheats on his girlfriend. He he downward spiral in a big, big way, right? Yeah, and, and spoilers here. Spoilers. I should have said uh, that. Yes, because this is uh, this is this is where it becomes a different movie. This yeah. is where the the movie you saw in the trailer uh, and the movie we've described up to this point, which is again like a NASCAR version of, of the Rookie or something like that, uh, inspirational sports movie. Um, that movie is over at this point. Um, the, and uh, here it, got, it takes a weirdly dark turn. And this is dark relative to the fact that we opened up with uh, selling, uh, trying to buy somebody's fam, uh, family land at their funeral kind of thing. So it's already, it's a little, the, the movie starts a little seedy, but it gets super dark here because Zac Efron, uh, well, let's back up a second. So earlier in the movie, we had this great, great scene with Cadence and Henry Whipple the, with Dennis Quaid and, and um, what's her name? Maka Monroe. She's from It Follows, a great um, indie actress, horror actress. Um, she's awesome. There's great scenes with her and the dad going on sales and she's sort of a natural and she saves one of the customers um, and, and helps him get back to this county of Decatur. He's trying to be the number one salesman in all these counties um, and all that. During that moment, we find out that uh, weird subplot, um, Henry has been reselling these Liberty seeds, they're GMO, gen genetically modified. Um, mm -hmm. If you're on the internet, these are referred to as Terminator seeds. Um, they are the kind of seeds that you have to buy new ones every year. You're not allowed to replant them. Well, turns out Henry's been uh, replanting these seeds. It's against, um, the movie is very unclear about, is this against the law or is this against the contract? Um, characters, variously refer to it as like, you know, our, our contract and illegal um, and things like that, that where it's, it's not clear, like what, how serious is this crime he's committed? Like, is this a, did you just like mess up at your job or is, are you going to jail for this? The consequences yeah. aren't really clear other than characters saying we could lose everything. Yeah. Are you yeah, going a little vague? Prison? Are you getting sued? It's not clear. But he's in this uh, sort of thing. Somebody has dimed him out. Somebody has snitched on the Whipples for doing this thing with the seeds. Um, it is mildly implied that it's the Johnsons, this rival family, either Big Jim Johnson or the son, Brad Johnson. Um, and so after the Arca race, he, he completely washes out. Again, it's very weird how it's done. He just sort of takes his foot off the pedal um, we get these long pensive shots of him sort of, uh, you know, like you say, getting overwhelmed. Um, you know, he, he succumbs to the pressure. He chokes during the race. Afterwards, he has this big freak out. He, he gets in a fight with his dad and, and his dad at this point 
his dad starts the movie not approving of racing. There's there's uh, a scene at the very beginning where he's like, there's no money in racing. Don't go into racing. You'll never make it. Uh, and now after seeing him at ARCA, he totally supports him um, too late. It's a little too late to to be the supporting dad. But they get in a big fight. Zac Efron's like, no, I don't want I don't want any kind of sympathy. I don't want to deal with this. And um, even with Cadence, Cadence comes up afterwards and tries to console him and he pushes her away. Uh, and so he's clearly like, again, you think you're at the sort of the climax of this movie. You're seeing him at his, his darkest moment. Um, and then, yeah, he goes and he he cheats on Cadence with Heather Graham, which is very weird. Again, Heather Graham is having an affair with his father and has been for years. The wife knows, Kim Dickens knows <laughs> about the affair. And now Zac Efron cheats on his girlfriend with Heather Graham. Uh, and that causes, uh, the, the girlfriend knows she's there and watching weirdly enough. Um, very dark, very weird scene. It's hard to describe because this whole movie, you're thinking he's this sort of rebellious, disaffected youth, you know, doesn't quite know who he is in life. Um, you know, does he want to be a racer? Does he want to take over the family business? And so at this sort of downward spiral, like you say, he spirals too far. So he does crash his car, but he crashes it on purpose. He's, you know, angrily driving his race car around. He drives it into a field and heads it straight into a tree. Uh, he is generically movie injured. It's not quite clear, like, what's wrong with it. Maybe hurt his leg or even though in the scene you see him hit his head, although he's not got any head injuries later in the movie. It's very weird. Very The, the crash is not very well done at all. But uh, he's in the hospital and he's still when, when he's in the hospital, this is when you, you really get the feeling that this is weird. This is dark because they keep presenting these moments where you think, oh, the, OK, the mom's going to come talk to him and and cheer him up and maybe get. A, OK, maybe I should make things right with Cadence or apologize or, oh, yeah, maybe I should take the car that my dad bought. And, um, you know, because his dad buys him a race car after the, the wreck and he says, no, I don't want it. Take it back. Zac Efron's acting in this movie, I think, is a large part of it because suddenly he goes from rebellious, disaffected youth to like school shooter mode. Like he gets so dark uh, and continues to just push people away so quickly, so quickly in the movie that it's like, wait a second, is this guy, is he a is he a rebellious teenager or is he about to turn into the Joker, right? Like he gets super dark. He's lashing out at all these things. He cheats on his girlfriend, gets rid of the girlfriend, um, you know, gets rid of the race car. He quits racing, all of that stuff. Um, and then suddenly gets weirdly invested in uh, the family business. And I, yeah. I say weirdly, it's weird because all of this is happening so fast again we just spent an hour on this movie of this kid coming up in the world of nascar all of that now it is a completely different movie now this guy is off the deep end again uh he, he's turning into the joker he's very uh 
evil to people, um, very mean, um, and not in a not in an upset way. He just becomes a bad guy uh, all of a sudden in this movie. Um, and he at, at one point, Cadence, the girlfriend who watched him cheat with Heather Graham, uh, she goes over to Heather Graham's house with her brother, and they're throwing rocks. Heather Graham comes out of the house, catches her, gets punched by Cadence, which again, in a different movie, this would be the satisfying yeah. ending. If this was that movie where Cadence teams up with Henry Whipple. This would have been the end of the movie uh, where, where Heather Graham, the homewrecker, got her comeuppance. Uh, <laughs> but no, Heather Graham just goes back in her house and we never see her again. This is never resolved. Nothing ever comes of it. Just... Heather Graham goes back to her home planet and the rest of the movie keeps going. Dean goes over to Cadence after she's punched out Heather Graham. And there's a brief exchange. Again, uh, Cadence is in a different movie. Hey, Cadence is in a good movie and, and Zac Efron is in this weird Joker movie. Uh, and he says, I, I didn't do anything wrong, which is again baffling because it's literally two minutes ago you saw him <laughs> in front of her cheat on her with... with Heather Graham, a very weird line. Uh, Cadence tells him about this investigation. She knows because she was in the car when they first confronted the agents. Um, she tells him about it. And that's when Zac Efron becomes so weirdly invested in the business. Yeah. Uh, oh, my gosh, we could lose everything. Suddenly it becomes clear for him. And he starts getting violent. Um, the agents, the, the uh, quote unquote agents that work for the seed company um, that wants to either sue or arrest Henry. It's never clear what, what exactly are the stakes here. Uh, but the agents come to the house to, in, you know, audit the invoices or something like that. And Dean starts smashing their car. He gets really violent. Um, and again, it's, it's a weird turn because even though we have seen this kid commit armed robbery, get in fist fights, it has not been presented this way as like a mentally ill person lashing out violently. That's what it's become all of a sudden. Uh, and so Dean uh, lashes out at the agents, gets really violent. He's pushed away his family. He's pushed away his girlfriend. And now... He is so obsessed with this business thing that he's going to go after whoever snitched on them. So they go to this character, Byron. So this was uh, – remind me. This was the guy who came to Henry for a job and – Needed got a job. Yeah. yeah. So I couldn't tell what to figure out about this guy. Early on in the movie, he almost seems to be trying to blackmail Henry into giving him a job because you know, he did some illegal stuff for Henry back in the day. And then when Henry turns him away, I think he becomes the, kind of the first person of interest. Like that's probably why Dean goes to him first. He assumes that'd be the guy who ratted on the farm, who got the agents called on them. That, that whole plot point was kind of interesting to me. I was trying to figure out, oh, you know, who was the rat? It has to be somebody we've met already. So I'm thinking, you know, is, is it Jim Johnson? Like they're the rival. But then I'm like, no, that's that's too on the nose. Then I'm thinking, well, what, what if it is the, the friend? But again, that felt a little too, or the, you know, the guy we we're talking about, uh, Byron, I was like, but that'd be a little too on the nose as well. I thought, I thought that the savior of this movie, I was waiting for, I, all this movie, I was waiting for a hero. I thought the savior was going to be the wife. 
she was mad that Henry yes. was cheating on him or cheating on her, and yep. she wanted to. This was her backhanded way of getting revenge or whatever. And, yeah, you know, she wanted to go to Paris. She yep. wanted a different life. Everybody in this family wants a different life, but the life they've got. I was expecting it to be the wife, you know, Dean's mom, Henry's wife, and it wasn't. And it wasn't Byron either. He, and I, he. He he ultimately tells him that there's another guy that is who who did it who he believes um, spilled the beans and it ends up that the the rat ends up being what's his name Larry Brown yeah a character you met once at the at, very at like first the, yes in the very first scene he had like one line out of nowhere where he called Henry and Dean sharks and you know terrible and like the worst kind of people scum of the earth whatever his exact terminology was you meet this guy for. 30 seconds, 10 seconds, two minutes into the movie, never hear from him again. And all of a sudden he is kind of the the pin that sets this entire third act in motion with the agents. And I did feel like that came out of nowhere. And on your point about um, Dean sort of snapping and th- that is the part that really like I was a, I was kind of on board with this movie. Again, all the racing stuff made sense to me. I was following it pretty well. This is when it cracked when I suddenly was like, well, hold on. We've seen Dean be impulsive. We've seen him be rebellious and make bad decisions. We have seen all that. But the one constant, again, that line at the beginning of the movie, I don't want to be a part of this family. Uh-huh. All of a sudden, that changes. I- I'm yeah. all for character development and people evolving. But that line at the beginning of the movie should not just snap, be meaningless midway through. And it was in this case. All of a sudden, he doesn't care about anything Except the family. He literally does the most 180 of 180s you can possibly do. But he keeps his, you know, aggressive, violent, impulsive, you know, poor judgment. He keeps all those character traits. And really that's what allows the the ultimate, you know, the twist or the big kind of climax a little later in the movie to to happen. Uh, and Byron is another character who feels like he's from a different movie. Like he's very... Uh, law and order almost overacting uh, oh golly uh, ooh, you know tugging at his collar kind of thing like um, <laughs> and in a very movie way he like hints of like no it wasn't me it was somebody else and then Dean says it was the Johnsons right yeah uh, so Dean thinks it's it's the Johnson family and then just runs out just leaves the scene and Byron doesn't bother to say, wait, no, that's it not, not it wasn't them at all. That's no, even though there's plenty of time for them to say that to each other and, and have yeah, to yeah. clarify. Uh Dean also like shoves Byron, Byron's this old guy, yeah, uh shoves him up against the wall, like again, like he's turning into the Joker. Uh, Byron is suddenly very physically threatened by young Zac Efron <laughs> like like he's uh, you know the scariest guy coming at you uh, in the dark or something but shoves him up against the wall like oh you're gonna tell me who did this who's the snitch uh and, and through hilarious movie misunderstanding Dean interprets it as it was the Johnsons and so Dean goes looking for the Johnsons very hot to trot he's going to kick somebody's ass uh, we saw it. We, he was about to beat up uh, Byron, the old man. So he tears off in his truck and he heads over to the Johnson farm. And wouldn't you know it, out uh, in front of the farm, we have Brad Johnson, the guy that was the, the rival racer, the son of the rival farmer. He's out there putting up signs for whatever reason on the side of the road. Dean stops. They get in a scuffle immediately. Dean just tears into him. 
Dean starts losing. Uh, the Brad Johnson really, really starts beating him up. So uh, uh, Dean grabs the hammer. Uh, Brad again was pounding in signs into the ground. Dean grabs the hammer he was working on the signs with, bashes him in the head, and Brad Johnson dies. Dean in the murders Brad Johnson in cold blood. Yeah. No, and that is that's the climax. I feel like that is when that is supposed to be the big grand finale. That I mean, even though it's not really this, that's the sky beam at the end of the Marvel movie. That's the 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 villain versus the hero. But in this case, they're both villains, really. I mean, the Brad Johnson character. They try everything they can to make him unlikable, so that maybe you're kind of okay with him dying there. But no, you're not. Not after the way Dean's acted for really the whole movie, but especially the second half. It, it's you knew somebody had to die in this movie. I was. At first thought might maybe it would be Zach Efron when he crashes his car into the tree. It was gonna be that kind of a movie. It wasn't. You knew someone was gonna die, uh, but didn't expect it in this way. And I think you said at the beginning, this is where you, one of the where you thought kind of the big twist or the, the bait and switch almost took place. Yeah. Explain that a little bit. So yeah, the the entire movie it's set up like again we said many times this is this is a, an inspirational sports movie the son and dad at the end are going to come together and real, you know, overcome their differences. Dad will become accepting of the NASCAR career. Dean will become accepting of the the family business, uh, life in Iowa kind of thing. One of those things was going to happen. And then this cold blooded murder happens. And, and that is, I would not even say that's quite the twist. The twist is, Zac Efron murders this kid in the middle of a cornfield. Tells um, his dad. Tells his dad. The dad comes and pulls out the phone, ready to call the cops. And, and then, yeah, doesn't. They, they, they give each other this real meaningful look. And then the dad goes from, oh, my God, we have to call the cops to let's hide the body. Yeah. And so they, they hide the body body on the farm they literally that you get to see them pulling this dead body out of the back of a truck this is goofy dennis quaid in his george <laughs> w bush impression this is terrible zach efron acting uh like he's in a different movie pulling a body out of a trunk and, and throwing it in the ground burying the murder weapon all of that stuff and so right there this is this is weird and so we go through that. We switch perspectives again. We go back to Henry and we see him going through this guilt of, oh, my gosh, I just hit a body. Right. We mm-hmm. killed this kid. And, and he's already he's been from the from from the jump. He's a morally compromised character. He's, you know, chasing funerals. Uh, you know, he's always got a, li- a little phrase of why he's doing it. it. It's strongly implied he's kind of manipulating his customers and, uh, yeah. you know, pulling one over on them kind of thing. So he's not he's not a good guy, but he is not a murderer up until this point. Like they don't play him that a, hard. In fact, an accomplice at this point. Right. Isn't that- yeah, he's an accomplice. He's an accomplice. <laughs> It, it, it is he's an accessory to, to murder <laughs> i guess is like one step removed from being the actual murderer uh and, and so we see him going through this guilt he uh he he gets a big sale because his business is going you know i get there's sort of silent deal made where 
Henry will hide the body and cover this secret. But Dean, in exchange, becomes like the model son, uh, the business owner's son, ready to take over. He starts working really hard. He starts selling all these customers. Uh, but Henry is racked with guilt, racked with guilt over what he's done for his son, uh, how he's hurt this other family. Um, he goes to Jim Johnson, uh, who we see just at the end of his rope, just, just, yeah, just uh, a broken man uh, who who's lost his son. Don't know what happened to him from the movie's perspective. And we're going to get to this in a second from the movie's perspective. This kid is just missing. He's a missing person. And so this family is, is just destroyed and broken and going through all this. Henry goes to him, tries to give him like sign over a sale. Jim Johnson is like, no, 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 don't worry about it. It's just business. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, Henry gives into the guilt and he confesses to his wife. And here's this is first twist. Dean is a murderer. Second twist. The dad will help him hide the body. Third twist. This was the biggest twist in my opinion. <laughs> he go. He Henry is, is losing his mind with guilt. He breaks down and tells his wife. You know, the wife already suspects it's Dean, isn't it? Right. Dean was the one that killed him. And, and Henry says, no, no, it was all me. I did. I murdered him. I, I, I'm responsible. Mm-hmm. And it's very obvious. He's just taking responsibility. And the mom sides with him. The mom yeah. sits down and says, it's this long, like pregnant pause of like, oh my gosh. He finally, he let off the guilt. He told somebody and the wife sits down and says we're a team we're just gonna we're just gonna get through this and pretend like it never happened suddenly this entire family is evil they are all murderers (laughs) that's what it was like we talked about earlier the only somewhat likable character in this movie was cadence but for a while the wife the mom was also likable you felt bad for her she was being cheated on she had dreams of this bigger life and and you kind of like i said i was rooting for her to be the mole the rat i was like oh that would be a really interesting thing for her character and it's something we could root for and then that's why i think this is the biggest twist she's at this point, it's shown no signs of being kind of the you know equally morally bankrupt as some of the others, and yet she just kind of throws her hat into the ring and says, "All right, we're in this together. We are fugitives officially, or you know, we are all you know burying this massive morbid secret for that." Like that, that, that came out of nowhere, and that was the least believable bit in the whole movie. I think Zac Efron killing the kid in a moment of rage, a scuffle, a fight, I could believe that. I mean, they'd literally gotten in a fight earlier in the movie. I could understand it escalating. He was nuts at that point. Henry defending him or saying or being willing to hide the body with him, I could also believe because as the movie's called, at any price, he is willing to protect his family mm-hmm. business, his family name, at any price. But the wife, the mom... Yeah. At that point, weird. my any belief I may have still had was gone at that point. <laughs> yeah. Very like this. I don't believe it. I don't believe this family is is like this. It came out of nowhere, happened way too fast. Nobody had to think about it. And, and this is after, you know, they show the wife a lot having these pensive moments. She's she's thinking about she knows something's wrong. You know, all of this. Um, she is a considerate character. She's a thoughtful character. And in five seconds, she makes the decision to like, yeah, you know what? We're going to cover up this murder. Uh, <laughs> and 
and, and from here on out, that's that's basically it. We get another a closing scene of everything working out great. Everybody's sort of living their lie of Henry Whipple has his customer appreciation day. He gives a speech and brings up Zach Efron. Oh, this is my son. He's taken over the family business. Happy days, roll credits. They, they, everybody lives happily ever after. Here's the problem. Just like the armed robbery, where are the police in this movie? <laughs> How come, like, I, I, the entire, uh, the first time I see this, after that armed robbery, for the longest time, I'm waiting for that shoe to drop of, uh, you know, or, or even, even, you know, the cops show up at the house and, oh boy, Dean's in trouble again, like that sort of thing. No, he commits armed robbery, no consequences at all. Brad Johnson, who is the kid that gets murdered by Dean. Comes from a wealthy uh, family, an important family. Wealthy, important family. It's a small town, uh, yep. so small that they can all go to the same dirt track uh, and sing the national anthem together. It's that small of a community. They all know each other's names. And everybody just buys it as this kid is missing. Oh, he just disappeared one day, even though when Henry first goes to find Dean, Dean kills him and calls his dad. The dad goes out to this field, parks. He sees the truck, Dean's truck parked on the side of the road, takes him all of 10 seconds to find the murder scene. Right. He said, oh, where Dean, Dean, where are you? And then immediately <laughs> sees this horrible the scene of scuffle you know the fields it's cornfields it's knocked, iowa knocked down yeah. Know, yeah all the the plants are knocked down and all of this took him 10 seconds to to find the scene of the crime no no police you know don't see one person in a uniform this entire movie the threat comes from these uh seed agents these <laughs> seed auditors who have nothing to do with the murder nothing to do with anything like that but at no point does anybody investigate. No, no forensics are done. No, no comps come and interview people about like, oh yeah, well actually the Johnsons have had this rivalry with this other family, and yeah. you know that kid's been crazy. He crashed his car on purpose, and all. None of that happens. Just bye, Brad. Brad was murdered. <laughs> Consequence free. Uh, everybody lives happily ever after. It is bonkers just absolute bananas that we're expected to swallow all of this in the span of 20 minutes uh uh, after seeing this completely different movie about you know the 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 son and the dad and doesn't want to take the life that's given to him and all that stuff uh weird 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 ending to this movie uh and this is why this is where i get to that of is it a twist? Is this an M. Night Shyamalan like, whoa, I did not expect this This was going to be a murder movie kind of thing, uh, you know, and it's set up in the title at any price kind of thing. Is it that or is it a bait and switch where the, the trailer, the entire first hour at least of the movie is something else? Uh, it's a completely different movie. Uh, the, I get this bait and switch because none of it was earned. Uh, Every character seemed to turn against themselves and become somebody else. The mom is not, that's not who the mom was set up to be. 
that's not who Zac Efron was set up to be until he left Arca and he starts turning into the Joker. Uh, yeah. The dad was seedy and sleazy, but not a murderer, not like cold-blooded malicious. He's, again, he's just willing to... Uh, you know, cut corners and, and maybe do a little bit of shadiness to keep the family business going. He's the closest character, I'd say, that stays consistent throughout. Just because, yeah, yeah while yeah. you don't expect him to be a murderer, you can tell that he is shady. He is, you know, a lot of pressure on him to. He's already averting the law by, you know, selling illegal, growing illegal seeds and, you know, burning records and stuff when the agents come looking. He's already proven to break the law. He's the only character that's consistent, which is that's part of why I think um, Dennis Quaid, while his performance, performance feels a little removed from the rest of the movie. I think that's because in many ways his character is removed from the rest of the movie because he's the only one fairly consistent. Um, I think the real bait and switch comes at that halfway point when Dean, Zach Efron just falls off the rails and completely devolves like over the course of like a five minute montage, it feels like almost. And then I guess it's fair to call some of the decisions at the end about sticking together and hiding the murder a twist. But it comes after the bait and switch. But you're right. The trailer is very focused on the racing. And what I came away thinking was the racing and those two or three big racing scenes really just exist to break up conversations. Like, yeah. If not for the three or the two or three like action-packed racing scenes and I guess the fight that kills um, Brad Johnson, this movie is just conversations. And a lot of movies are that way. That's common. Like that's good drama there's you can tell a great story just with people in a room talking and interacting but you know you want that those action you have zach efron in your cast you want some action scenes put that guy to the test have him fight a couple times have him drive cars you know a little mini fast and the furious action like you want you got to take advantage of the cast that you have but those scenes seem to only exist to break up the otherwise maybe arguably slow pace of some of the other conversations. But you said at the beginning, this movie doesn't really slow down at any point. It just changes directions really, really fast. In hindsight, the racing could have been anything. He could have been a football star. Yeah. He could have been, uh, he could have played Magic the Gathering tournaments. It really didn't matter what his his other activity was. The NASCAR doesn't connect thematically to anything. It's not like, what's the opposite of a farm, a NASCAR? Like, that does, doesn't, like, it, it, it feels very wasted. Like, what what was the point of, of that movie? And again, within that, there is still that other separate movie of Cadence. Um, Cadence right after the murder. I think that this was a sign that the movie wasn't expecting like the movie itself wasn't expecting to go in this direction because cadence is set up as the the moral voice as well she tells right after the the armed robbery she tells her, i don't don't ever do this again uh kind of thing um she's upset with heather graham heather graham is morally compromised and breaking up this family she she is against cadence is opposed to that and and gets in a gets her resolution with that character and then all of a sudden cadence leaves bye i'm going to california uh, like in the uh, right after the murder like the murder happens the next scene is goodbye I, i'm leaving the movie now like, uh yeah. and, and that was that's a sign the movie didn't know what to do because they had to get rid of her there's no way that entire family could have 
turned evil and covered up a murder with cadence right there asking questions we as the audience know she would ask questions she would push people on the the morals and the ethics and all of that so she just leaves the movie she just moves away uh in one scene that movie there though with cadence and, and dennis quaid that would have been an awesome movie the nascar movie would have been an awesome movie but at the end, they just like, no, instead, we're going to make the Sopranos or something. And Carmela is going to make her deal with the devil of, well, we got a good life. Let's let's cover up this body kind of thing. It it makes no sense. It's all entirely unearned. They did not build you up to accept this. Uh, this is why I is it a twist or is it a bait and switch? They gave Cadence the resolution that I thought Dean was going to get when we started the movie. You know, Dean, when, when he starts the movie, he has dreams of going beyond the farm. And even in that first half, we see his dad start to support his racing. And so I thought it would end with him going off to California to race dirt cars, to, yeah. to start a team or to, to maybe make his debut at Auto Club Speedway or something. And that never happens. But it kind of happens for Cadence. She finds a family. She finds uh, people who support her. She realizes she's good. She, she's the moral voice. And she gets out of this hellhole. She gets out of this messy situation. So I think the movie knew that somebody had to have a resolution. They couldn't leave the audience with a complete bad taste in their mouth. I'm all for movies, again, that are kind of slice of life. Here's a hyper-realistic view at this you know, forgotten area of society and look at how sleazy and bad things are under the surface. Those kinds of movies absolutely have a place, and I understand that a lot of people love them. For me, I like movies where I can latch on to at least one of the main characters and support them and want to see them succeed. Maybe, I, I, you know, that that's just, that's where I come from. I want to see, not necessarily the heroes win, but I want to see a hero. And we didn't have a hero in this movie besides Cadence, who basically got, you know, dropped to the side in the second half of this movie and just kind of was abandoned, like you said, so the rest of the, the story could make at least a lick of sense. Yeah, there, there's no way the second movie happens if Cadence is still there. If Cadence she is had still, to, she had yeah. to leave. She was the one, <clears throat> the one uncorruptible, incorruptible, uh, non-corruptible character in that Whipple household. Like you know, I didn't believe it when the wife accepted the murder. I absolutely, there's no way you could convince me that Cadence <laughs> would have yeah. been okay with that. So they had to get rid of her, like you said. That's uh, that's how it ends. That's how at any price ends um with the, the family not really paying any prices for <laughs> for their mistake i mean I guess, it's kind of left ambiguous at the end it still feels like henry's a little like you know he asked am i a happy man absolutely i am but there's a pause there you know it's like he got what he wanted he has his son there to uh work the farm to inherit the farm who's supporting him all this stuff he's won back those counties he wanted but there's at least that ambigu- ambiguity at the end there that maybe Covering up the murder of Brad Johnson was a slightly was slightly too high of a price to pay, and maybe that's that's kind of left open ended at the end. That maybe that will eat away at him, and that he'll never get over that. Um, I don't know how you saw the very end there, but that's that's how at any price wraps up. Yeah, I the ending I I, I couldn't uh, you know again I watched this a couple times. The second time I will say the cinematography. I think knows what movie it's making Uh, because from the beginning, you don't really notice it, but the entire thing is shot like 
uh, a David Fincher movie or a horror movie. The the camera is very weird. It's often these like really high up like God shots of looking down at the characters uh, from really far away, or you see all the characters interacting in crowds and there's things moving in front of the camera and all of that. Uh, beautiful film, beautiful film, yeah, uh, but um, shot like it knows that this is not, you are not watching the rookie. You are not watching Friday night lights. You are watching a movie where somebody's going to get murked. And that <laughs> like the second time, it's really the only thing from the beginning. The other piece I will say is in that opening scene, with the funeral, the the eulogy that the guy, the priest is giving uh, is he's saying death unites us all. Everybody comes together uh, at when somebody dies. Right. And so thematically at the end, the whole family comes together when technically somebody died, but really the family murders somebody and it brings them all together. Uh, there is some thematic work happening. The camera knows the entire time that this is a murder mystery or a murder movie, not a mystery, uh, that this is, you are about to watch a cold blooded murder movie. Uh, the camera knows and that opening scene, I think knows, but the rest of the movie, they do not set it up. They don't earn it. Uh, I, I watch very close for characters to, drop hints or things like that, say more things that you could uh, sort of have double meanings like at the beginning where the guy's talking about death unites us all. And mm -hmm. uh, nope, not a, not a lick of it. It becomes a completely different movie. It does. Yeah. It, it is the tale of two more movies, which is why earlier we said, if you're a NASCAR fan, you just want to see some fun ARCA, some fun dirt track racing scenes, Try the first half, and if you're done at the first half, I think you can. That's a movie. There, you can take that and say, "Oh, it was a tragic tale. And, you know, didn't have a happy ending. The the driver didn't win the race, didn't get the job, but at least you know there's a story. It feels like a beginning, middle, and end. There's a climax there. Second half, completely different. Uh, I agree with you. I don't feel like many of the the twists and payoffs at the end were were earned. Um, but but there you have it. That is at any price. Released in 2012, it's it's the 10 year anniversary. What timing! What beautiful timing! Um, but thank you, Josh, for chiming in. Do you have any final thoughts before we begin to to wrap this up? Any final closing remarks? I uh, yeah. I as, as much as we talk this movie, I again, I was never bored. Uh, even when you're you're confused, it's that good kind of confused of like what what am I watching? What is it? What is happening? Like I wasn't bored. I, the first part of the movie, awesome racing. It's got the dignity. It's got the action. I, I wasn't bored. Yeah. That was actually going to be my final thought was that this movie does treat racing in the Midwest. I would say with respect, it makes Arca look cool and professional. It makes even figure eight dirt racing look like a spectacle. Yeah. Um, so I, I at least will give it credit for that because I think about when this movie came out. It came out a few years after Talladega Nights, which took a completely different um, turn and a spin on, on stock car racing and NASCAR culture. It came out around the same time as Cars 2, which had deviated away from um, NASCAR and was more of a Formula One, more of an international movie. This movie kept it grounded, obviously a much smaller budget, not trying to reach the same massive audience as those past two movies were, but it 
it was more grounded. It focused on small town America, Midwest, stock car racing. And I thought it was fairly accurate and fairly respectful um, to the culture. Even though the main family that is a racing family is, you know, a bunch of a bunch of murders and accomplices <laughs> ultimately. But yeah, there's 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 dirt in every industry, I suppose. It's uh, I, I didn't have a problem with with like you said the the race racing representation in this movie, if you will. But uh, there you have it. At any price, this was the pilot for the show to be named later. I'm not sure what our next movie we'll uh, watch and review will be, but obviously we're always open to suggestions. Um, like to, again, stick somewhat off the beaten path. We'll eventually, assuming this goes on for years and years and years, we'll eventually get to the big the big ones, the, the Talladega Nights and the Days of Thunder. But uh, yeah, we're always open to recommendations. Josh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being here. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. Love... love- uh, at least getting to talk about this movie. Um, yeah. Wasn't the best movie, but I am very glad you knew of this movie. I never heard of this movie before, never seen anything about it. This was uh, a very good first racing movie to watch. Yep. We love it. Love it. Uh, off road and off the beaten path. That's what we love here. But thank you everyone for listening. We will see you next time. Take it easy, y'all.